Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibu people and our world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Welcome to the show. When the Halibu Band was founded in 2011, there was jubilation at the end of their long struggle for recognition under the Indian Act. But there were pangs of regret also that we were founded as a landless band without the reserved land that most First Nations have. There are Halibu people who still dream of a traditional reserve, perhaps out in the Stephenville area near the Burgio Road. But there's another kind of reserve. It's called an urban reserve. An urban reserve might become a reality for the Halibu in the very near future. An urban reserve is land purchased by a First Nation and granted reserve status by the federal government. As the name implies, they're usually located in or near an urban area to take advantage of economic opportunities. Land is under banned jurisdiction and city taxes do not apply. In many cases, customers with a status card do not have to pay HST for on-reserve purchases. The urban reserve concept is a new one for the Halibu. Current Chief Brenda Mitchell campaigned on it, and he has been a leading proponent on the file. But urban reserves have been around for 30 years and are a quiet success story for First Nations. There are now more than 100 urban reserves across Canada. The first urban reserve was established by the Muskeg Lake Cree Nation in Saskatchewan nearly 30 years ago. Now the Muskeg Lake Band has three urban reserves and two more are in the planning stages. Muskeg Lake Councillor Paul Ledoux has been at the forefront of the effort for urban reserves. I asked Paul about the challenges in founding the first urban reserve and for any advice he has for the Halibu as we embark on our journey. So what was the what was the thinking in putting the reserve uh in Saskatoon rather than closer to uh to the reserve? Uh well I think you have to look back at, at our leadership. Uh you know, the process, you know, they started looking for alternatives and this was probably in the early eighties, uh uh looking at alternatives for economic development. And then they started, they actually hired a consultant who is a band member. His name is Lester Lafon, who is instrumental in, in actually finding a piece of reserve land, uh, not piece of reserve land, but a piece of land, um, in 1984, uh, which was, uh, it was a federal government, uh, project that didn't go through. And so, uh, in 1984, Muskeg filed a claim to try to acquire that 35 piece, uh, 35 acres of land. Mm-hmm. And so during that whole process, it took four years to actually acquire and then convert the land into urban reserve, uh, land. And I mean, that, that, that took a lot of, negotiations and understanding with, you know, both the federal government, more specifically INAC, and then the city of Saskatoon, uh, because, I mean, it was the first of its kind. Uh, so there was no really deep understanding as to how this whole thing could work in terms of zoning it, uh, taxation, because there are, and, and service agreements, uh, 
uh, with with the city of Saskatoon. So, in some ways, you guys uh, invented the wheel because, as you as you say, it was the first urban reserve, and now, of course, they have become more common. I think there are more than a hundred across Canada currently. But, oh yeah, uh, like we we were the first in in like in Saskatchewan to to do this, and part of it was you know uh, looking at across the country where you had you know, reserves, but then the municipalities were encroaching on the reserves. So we were the first to actually acquire and then have it converted into an urban reserve. Now, if uh, if people were to drive on onto the urban reserve uh, today, what would they what would they see? What what does it look like? And uh, I mean, could you tell if you didn't know that it was an urban reserve? Uh, no, other than, uh, you know, we, <laughs> other than the sign that people may see is a stainless steel buffalo, um, you know, and, and identifying it as urban reserve, you, you wouldn't know you were on reserve land. We, we have a number of commercial buildings that we've, that we've built. And then, of course, we lease the space to, uh, various organizations such as the, uh, uh, FSIN, which is the Federation Sovereign Indigenous Nations, um, SEGA, Saskatchewan Indian Gaming Authority, Peace Hills Trust that has space there. We have doctors, dentists, lawyers uh, that have acquired space. Our most recent building that we opened up uh, just last year, uh, and it's 100% occupied, uh, you know, 80% of the space taken are non-Aboriginal people mm-hmm. that have taken that space. So, yeah, you you wouldn't be able to tell you were on. Oh, on yeah. Reserve. No, no. And I, and I mean, starting back in the 80s and then having it converted in 88, our first building wasn't built until 1993. Uh, so, you know, developing that capacity, we had our own property management firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, as costs increased in, in managing that facility, uh, because we only had one facility at that time and we acquired another one, uh, we eventually had to step back and let a professional firm, property management firm, come in and and do the property management uh, for us. I see. And is that is that the situation currently? Do you, is that is a, I know it's that firm yes. does the management. Yes, it is a professional property management firm called ICR uh, that per, that do the actual property management uh, for the facilities that we do have. We just and couldn't what, keep up with the costs to say it is a viable business to do property management. We just don't have enough space leased and we don't have enough buildings built to say, you know, we'll do our own property management. Uh, so the partnership that we do have as we do grow, the professional property management firm ICR has agreed that, you know, as, as we build more facilities or, you know, developers come in and build facilities, they will actually train um, an individual to undertake the property management for us. Uh, how many how many people from uh, reserve work in the urban reserve? What's the what's the workforce? Oh, from our community or just overall? I mean, we got we got probably four or five hundred people 
that are a First Nations people and non-First Nations people that work there every day. Mm-hmm. In, in, in their own, like doctors, lawyers, dentists, uh, organizations such as the FSIN, SEGA, Peace Hills Press. Um, they have a number of First Nations employees and non-First Nations employees as well. I'd, I'd probably say 80% of them are First Nations. It's whoever is on, you know, that comes there to work. Uh, it's the employment practices of each organization on their own who they hire right so we, we don't get involved in that uh, ours is only it's an urban reserve uh, the businesses that locate there uh, pay us either a land lease revenue or lease per square foot so the uh, the halibu uh, are now uh, embarking on this urban reserve uh, project from with your the great experience uh, that you guys have had in Saskatchewan, what uh, what advice would you uh, would you offer uh, us as we uh, as we embark on this uh, on this project? Uh, well, I, I think the, the the big thing is to have uh, to develop the tools and the capacity uh, internally. Uh, you know, understanding what they're trying to accomplish, understanding what their objective is. But it's also very important is the, whatever municipality they may locate in is the governing body, the mayor or the reeve or whoever it may be, understand who they're also dealing with. Understanding, you know, the, the significance of you know, like I said earlier, our culture, our values. Um, I think that's very important. And of course, then the, you know, the governance and, and everything else that goes along with that. And of course, economic development is, is very important too. And as we, we, as we say so often uh, in business, it's location, location, location. So the, where you, where you set up uh, the reserve, where you purchase the uh, the land for the for the urban reserve is uh, is quite important, also. Yes. Yeah. And and I mean, once once you do acquire it, then you know if you're uh, and that's where it's important that you have the as you said earlier is the capacity. And if you don't have the capacity, you need to go out and get it. Then there again, there's that whole learning aspect of you know. Uh, the developers need to understand who we are as First Nations people. There's benefits to the municipality as well. You know, when we talk about creating urban reserves, you know, we're creating our we're creating our own businesses, we're creating our own opportunities, reducing reducing the dependency on the provincial system. You know, if we have more people working on urban reserves that are First Nations. Then there's less dependency on on the system overall. I think the key thing here is is you know uh, the First Nation, as you said, we're looking for location right now, but that's where it's so important. You know, what are your goals? What are your objectives? What are you trying to accomplish as a First Nations community? And then as as part of your seeking out what you want to do. So having that vision is 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 key, and you know, making sure everybody is on side. But yeah. then you need to actually go out. Now that you've got this vision and, and understanding what you want to do, 
is approaching the individuals, you know, the municipality, the mayor, or the reeve, or whoever it may be, that, you know, they need to know what you're, uh, what's trying to be accomplished in the objectives. And then their understanding of, of who they're dealing with. And that, and I think that's, um, you know, those misconceptions is, is because if you can get the First Nation and the municipality understanding and on side, the municipality then has the job and the task to make sure that their constituents understand what's happening and and being being able to answer questions right and as a group as a whole yes. group and and i think that's that's very important because if if you don't have that you're just going to be all over <laughs> all over the map uh and it just creates you know those misconceptions and mistrust and everything else uh, and i think that's very important thanks to paula du for those thoughts the next regular meeting of the Halibu Council is on December 3rd, and we'll probably get an update on where things are regarding the urban reserve for our people. And that's it for the show. Thanks for listening to Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to Allison Baker for technical assistance here in the studio. Thanks also to artist Marcus Goss for permission to use his artwork for our logo. Follow us on Twitter at Migma Matters, that's M-I-Q-M-A-Q Matters. Check us out online, migma.matters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.